Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
for the body of Christ, which is communion. Now, I didn't say the Lord's Supper. That's a misnomer. There were two things that there were two. Little can't even talk. There were two things that took place as ordinances. Okay, dealing with one, you had the Lord's Supper and you had communion. They're totally two separate, totally two different things. One was a love feast. The other one was communion, the body and blood of Christ. The other ordinance was baptism. That was one of the ordinances for every New Testament believer. Nothing's changed. That's the way it's supposed to be today. It's an ordinance, not a commandment. All right? Not no commandment, oh, you're going to suffer the wrath of hell fire if you don't do it. No, 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 no. They're ordinances. And we were going to see the Apostle Paul tell you their ordinances, not my opinion. That's what the book says about itself. But I want to make the separation clear before we get started. Paul's going to start out talking in, in 1 Corinthians 11. He's going to talk about the ordinances, so and so. And then he's going to go down through the chapter, and he's going to tell you what the Corinthians were doing. They were screwing it all up. They were mixing the Lord's Supper together with communion. And at the love feast, the Lord's Supper, which is the Lord's Supper, the love feast, they were getting drunk. They were separating themselves. The, the big dogs would get in one corner and the, and the poor folks would get in another corner and one would have a lot to eat and the other ones wouldn't. And they'd mix in communion along with that. That was wrong. And then Paul's going to get down, and he's going to. There's a couple of words that define the whole act of the ordinance, and those words are unworthily. Don't miss the l y. Unworthily. There's so many people down through the years got these mixed up, thinking that oh they were even afraid to take communion because of what Paul says. And I'll bring it to your attention when we get to it in just a few minutes. But anyway, we're also going to take a little trek into 1 Corinthians. I made mention Friday night, made mention of something, and you probably don't uh, remember me talking about it. But uh, I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians 6 and Ephesians 5, and I want to show you again, and most of you folks that's been with me for a long time will recognize it when I start talking about it. Okay, and it'll be about inheritance in the kingdom versus non-inheritance. Got nothing to do with salvation, and I will bring, I will show you that in just a second. Anyway, before we get started, Brother Jason, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, Brother. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Lord, over these many miles. We ask that you bless us tonight, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. We, ask, we lift Brother Don up to you, Lord. We ask that you bless him and give him guidance and wisdom as he leads us through the Scripture. Lord, we also pray an imprecatory prayer against our enemies, Lord, that you'd smite them down, that you would destroy them utterly, that you would expose all of their plans, all of their uh, evil the ways that they're plotting against us, Lord, and that you would give uh, the people, your people, Lord, 
uh, the means which to fight and destroy them, whether it be uh, intelligence, whether it be uh, arms, whether it be uh, information, whatever it be, Lord, we ask for your help and your assistance. And Lord, we also pray for those that would download the program, that you would touch their hearts as well, Lord. And we pray for Brother Steve and Sister Julie and Brother Dan Allen as well, Lord, that you'd be with them at this time. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And also, I want you people to keep in prayer Brother Joe Andrews, one of Brother David's fellow Canadians that lives in Vancouver. I talked to him on the telephone last night. He's a young brother, and he's just hes so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. He just He's a blessing. We don't never talk very long because of his cell phone minutes, but he I want you to pray that Brother Joe Andrews gets a great job and gets on his feet financially, and he won't take no help because I tried to give him help. He won't, he won't take any help from anybody. So, But pray the Lord will send it whether he wants it or not to help him out because he does love the Lord Jesus Christ. He's just a joy to talk to. Pray the Lord will give him a good job where he can get on his feet and um, and continue to do all the witnessing that he's doing for the Lord and to con- continue the, in that first love because he is a blessing. I just wished all you guys could meet him and um, and could talk to him because he is he is a blessing. But remember him when you pray. I would appreciate that very much. Anyway, First Corinthians chapter eleven. Brother Jason, if you would, slowly start reading with verse 1, and I will probably shoot off, and I'm going I'm to establish this solid as we go down through here, as solid as the Lord will allow me to, okay? So you can go ahead and start reading in verse 1. And you can stop at the, at the period in verse 1, because I'm going to make a statement about that. Go ahead. Be ye followers of me, even as I also... Am of Christ. Okay, I made mention the other night, and I know some people. I know how I know human nature, folks. I know how people are. I know how the sheep are. I made the statement that there's this is the only other person other than Jesus Christ you're told to follow in the New Testament. Now, for the Spirit of God, if you believe that Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and you you believe in the inspiration of Scripture, then you know that the Holy Ghost imparted unto him to write this down. Guided, guided, guidance of the Holy Spirit. Like Paul says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. See, Well, he says here, Be ye followers of me. How many of you ever took that seriously? You got a bunch of them out there that show slam the other direction. Why would he say that? Why would he have so much confidence, spiritual confidence I'm talking about, that he could say that? And follow him how? Do you ask yourself those questions? This is one verse of Scripture. Deal with it for a few days. Pray about it. Go to the Scripture. Seek it out. Find out why he says these things. He says it five times. Five times. There's a reason why. 
Did you want to know why so many people are screwed up on their doctrine? Especially in the Anglo-Israel truth? It's because they will not obey that one verse right there, along with the other five times he says it. That's the reason why. Say, how can you make such a statement like that? Well, you ought to know by now. Brother Don's going to let the scriptures tell you. Turn to Second Timothy, First Timothy, chapter one, brother. First Timothy, chapter one, and just start reading it, verse one, and we'll see what Paul's at. Now, Paul is writing to a young pastor, Timothy, somebody led to the Lord. He calls him his son in the faith. And let's see what Paul says here in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Start reading at verse 1, brother. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, as I beseech thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Okay, first clue, that they teach no other doctrine. Who teach no other doctrine? Some of the believers in Macedonia. So doctrine's got something to do with this. And Paul said, don't teach no other doctrine. Continue on, brother. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith so do. Okay. See what he talked about? Gene endless genealogies and fables that minister questions rather than godliness? I don't care what it means. I mean, I do care, but I'm saying this with emphasis. Historical context is immaterial here. Why, Brother Don? Because the same thing's going on today. The very same thing is going on today. The Hebrew Roots Movement is a good example. And he's really going to slam it home here in a second. It was true then, down through the ages, it, it cropped up over and over again. Therefore, the scriptures were just as true what he was writing. It was just as true when it was read by some of the saints down through the ages as it was at the time he was writing it. Because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit of whom you're told to follow the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just... Watch what comes next. Go ahead, brother. I got a question on number four, if I could, Brother Don. Go for it. Um, I've seen Judeo-Christians latch on to this verse right here, basically, you know, universalists. And in the context, obviously, he's speaking to other Israelites. Um, Does that play... um, or can you can you basically give your thought on that as far as putting it in context? Because I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, well, as far as them being 
you know, don't focus on endless ge genealogies. In other words, uh, Judeo-Christians and Universalists are saying, well, let's not focus on all these other races, okay? Let's just... Oh, no, no, no. They, they, races got... No, no. Uh-uh. You're absolutely correct. They got no business trying to pull... This verse has nothing to do with that, okay? Whatsoever. It ain't got nothing to do with that. When they say don't pay attention to other races, they're contradicting the Word of God, which tell you, we went over it the other night in Acts chapter 17, verse 18. Okay. Okay? Yep. Okay. Next verse. Verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience, conscience and faith unfeigned. The, the end of the commandment, what in the world is he talking about? Well, he's fixing to dump it on you. Go ahead. Verse 6. From which some have swerved and turned aside unto vain jangling. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Bingo. The law is good if it's used lawfully. How is it used lawfully, Brother Paul? Verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if be if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Okay, any other thing, the law is a schoolmaster to slap somebody upside the head for doing wrong. That's what it's for. Tells you plain, he, he lays it all out in Galatians. That's what it's good. If it's used lawfully, it's good. But it's being used unlawfully by these folks. Why? Genealogies fables, new moons, Sabbath days, feast days, and on and on and on. I'm not taking it out of context. If you think I'm making it up, go read Colossians 2. Go read Galatians. I'm telling you, it's all got to do with the same thing. Or 1 Timothy chapter 4. Go ahead, brother. Verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. To whose trust? To my trust. Thank you. Be ye therefore follower of me as I am follower of Christ. Talk three and a half years face to face. Continue, brother. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all exception. Oh, that let's, let, wait, wait. Verse 15. Memorize it. Memorize it to all the lawyers. 
Memorize it to the genealogers. You elect are in like Flint, okay? But to the, all the lawyers and Hebrew roots folks, all that stuff, the main purpose, what did Christ come to die for? I know, see, they'll immediately go run to Matthew 22. For I came not but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what they'll say. And stick right there and build tons of doctrine on that. Forgetting John chapter 1, he came into his own, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, the elect, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The ones that believe on his name are the whosoever wills. Rightly divide the word of truth, folks. It's a remnant that gets in even from Israel. It's just a remnant that gets in. Now this is the, read verse 15. Every one of you ought to memorize it. Go ahead, brother, read it. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. No, I mean, that, that, that's a mistranslation that should say Don Spears. See, I am the chiefest of sinners. But that's what Paul said about himself. See, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Sinners, not nations. Sinners, individual, not nations. That's a different ball game. That's a whole different ball game. Turn to Second Timothy now. No, just read verse 16 too. Read verse 16 along with it. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ... I, I, now watch every word. Watch every syllable of what he's saying right here. Because this is what I want you to see. Why he said what he said in the very first verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Why should you be followers of him? What back... What? Why? Other than what I've already told you. Start, start at the first of the verse and read it slow, brother. Watch what he says. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first... Well, stop, Jesus, stop. In me first, first. You know what first is? It doesn't mean second. It doesn't mean third. It doesn't mean fifth or sixth. It doesn't mean twelfth or thirteenth. In me first. What happened? Read, brother. Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern. A what? A what? A pattern. A pattern. A pattern. Be ye a follower of me as I am follower of Christ. Paul's doctrine, his manner of life. Why? As a pattern. To who, Paul? To who? Read on, brother. To them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Do you folks know what the word hereafter means? 
henceforth, hereafter, from who was first, Paul was first, hereafter, that should believe on his name to life everlasting. There ain't one out of a million Bible teachers will show you that. And especially, especially none of our persuasion. Because they're not Bible students. Too busy cutting up the book. That's why he says, Be ye a follower of me as I am a follower of Christ. Five times. In another place in Romans chapter 15, he even separates himself from Jesus Christ himself. I'm not saying Paul's Jesus Christ, folks. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying what God called him to do sets him apart. He says that he was a minister to the nations where Christ's main ministry was to the circumcision or to Judah. That's all he's saying. In Romans chapter 15. But he even makes a separation there. And if you don't get this separation, you'll never get your doctrine right. You'll spin your wheels. You'll be way off out here in Deuteronomy, Exodus, all that stuff. Trying to apply something that does not apply to you. Not doctrinally. It, all, every word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 applies to you. <clears throat> but not every one, every, every one of them applies doctrinally to you. You don't have to keep no commandments to get eternal life. You don't have to endure to the end to be saved. Come on, folks. You're predestined before the foundation of the world. You've got to rightly divide the word of truth. Turn to 2 Timothy 1. I'll show you. You can't let two verses that are totally contradictory. You can't let them stand without reconciling them. And you can't pick and choose what you like and leave the other one alone. Not if you're called of God to be a Bible teacher, you can't. You can do anything you want to. These people go get high on heroin and get drunk and a bunch of faggots and whores. You can do anything you want to do. But to be a Bible teacher and teach God's Word in His purity... You can't do it. You can't let them sit separate. They have to be reconciled. Because one, number one, the Word of God can't be broken. Every Word of God is true. Well, if you've got two verses and one seems to make the other out a lie, you've got to reconcile them if you're a teacher or a preacher. If you're not, go fishing. Okay? But shut your mouth when it comes to teaching doctrine because you don't know what you're talking about. And just because you've been, you got deceived, and I got deceived in the past, don't mean you run around deceiving everybody else. The Lord will get you. He got me. He'll get you. You ain't no different than me. He, he's got a monkey wrench that'll fit every nut. Trust me, I know. I got the knots on my head to prove it. Starting verse 1, brother, in 2 Timothy 2.1. Now watch it. Watch him come down through here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace 
from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Okay, Paul's just bragging on Timothy right here to start. Okay, we're the, go ahead, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now let me just just throw this in there to mess up your day. Do you hear people quote that verse all the time? Do you know when, if you want to get contextual, you know who it's talking to? Talking to a young preacher boy from his daddy in the faith. Verse 8, brother. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of of God, who have saved us and called us with an holy calling. Watch it. Not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. When? Before, when? When, Paul? When was it given us? Before the world began. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. First Corinthians chapter 11. Just wanted to get off on that for a little while, folks. That's important. That's that's deadly important. You understand that and get that. Verse 2, brother. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Okay, ordinances. That's what he's fixing to talk about. Some ordinances, okay? That sets the table. Not sacraments. That's that's Catholicism. It's an ordinance. These are ordinances. It's talking about ordinances. All right? Verse 3, brother. But I would love, excuse me, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Y'all got that chain of command? Any of you ladies out there? I don't care whether you like it or whether you don't. I don't care if your your feminist roots likes it or not. All that feminism is 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 pure Jewish, Jewish feminism. That's all it is. They're the ones that stirred up the troubles in the homes. You want to know who stirred up the troubles in the homes? The Jewish feminist. Don't believe me? Go check it out. Go back to its roots. The women's suffrage movement. Back in the early 
20th century. Go find out. Go, go, go look and see who started off. And find a hook nose at the bottom of it. Oh, yes. Hey, you ladies, hey, I know how sorry the men are, too. I'm not just, I'm, I'm just telling you. But you got to keep your place. It's because you're the one to be judged according to your, what you do, not according to what he does, ladies. And men, same thing to you. If you took the step forward and said, I do, you're responsible for what you do and a little bit for what comes under you. That's a whole other story. But still, you'll give an account of your actions to God, not what she does. Continue on, brother. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one, as if she were shaven. Okay, now this is this is a, a cultural thing on the found on on the very face value of it. In the period of time that it was written, I understand all that, but it has just as much implication today as it did back then in its true historical context. That's what you got to get, because the Word of God's living today with just as much life as when it was written and penned, and it's just as much life and living today, because it endures forever, and it's the living words of the living God. So the historical business about that head cover stuff, just watch what he says. Verse 6, brother. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Paul, what are you talking about covering? A hat? What are you talking about? A hat? Or just let her be shaved ball? Huh. Start reading at the colon. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven... Let her be covered. Okay. Now he's talking culture. And he's going to make it plain shortly in a few minutes when he gets past the man. It's a cultural thing, and you don't stir up trouble over these silly matters. He's going to tell you that shortly, which everybody refuses to go on and read the rest of the verse of what he's talking about. Verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. That's right. The man is the head. The man is the covering. He covers the woman. Verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Wow. Get up in any of your local churches today and try to push that one. <laughs> that claim to be only in Bible-believing places will you even hear, hear it adhered to. Verse 10. 
for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Because of Genesis 6, all the way back, Paul's still worried about it happening again. Guess what? He was right. He was right, Brother David. Hybrids. Hybrids. Today, Paul was worried about it then. And his worries were well-founded. As the Lord said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And some of the women this stuff happens to don't even know it's happening, folks. It can happen physically just as well as spiritually. And someone that doesn't understand spiritual things and the spiritual world don't even have a clue and could be playing that thing out to its uttermost in the spirit and it have just as much effect as if it were being done in the literal flesh. And I believe it's being done in both. Amen, Brother David? Because of the angels. Verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. In the Lord, that's the key phrase. In the Lord, that's it. people that are under the blood. That's people in Christ, woman or man, because in Christ there's neither male nor female. <laughs> oh, yes. Go ahead, brother. Verse 12. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judging yourselves... Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? So we read all that length of time to find out what the covering was. Sorry, Brother Kenny Bougay. I'm sorry, Brother. You can try try to make it out to be a, a hat all you want to. But the scriptures interpret the scriptures. And the context is talking about hair. It's not talking about some kind of hat. Sorry. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. But that's just what the scriptures say. He just gave you the answer to what the covering was. Start reading verse 14 again, brother. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is even, excuse me, for her hair is given her for a covering. Got that? Covering. Covered, pray uncovered, covered, covering, E-D-I-N-G. Verse 16. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. In other words, don't get bent out of shape over this ordinance. 
to the point of division. The Lord's going to take care of it, one way or the other. He's going to handle it. But don't let it separate. Don't let it separate fellowship with a brother or sister because of it. But you ladies, y'all have a little bit more weight on your shoulders than the men do. And it, it, that that's just the way it is, whether you like it or whether you don't. And everything done today is to try. that. You know what? If you just went through and looked at the way the world is pushing feminism, it, the, the, all everybody's equal, women doing this, women doing that, women calling football games, women in politics, women, the world's doing it. You know what that ought to tell you? That it's out of the pits of hell. The world ain't never been right about nothing. That's why you're told to hate it and not love the things that are in it. And I don't give a tinker's damn what any of you women think. The book will stand when the world's on fire, and it didn't change just because you like it. Last time I checked, it was, bless your sweetheart, it was you that got deceived. Not Adam. Take it on the chin like you're supposed to, and God will bless you without, uh, beyond measure. And I ain't trying to be mean. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you what the book says. It was not Adam that was deceived. It was Eve that was in a transgression. That's what the book says. Verse 17. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. Okay. At the paragraph heading, he's kicking he's kicking into a different gear, and he's going to talk about the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, the love feast versus communion. Go ahead, brother. Well, first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Now, there, there's Paul telling you that in a congregation, in a, in a fellowship of believers, there's going to be differences of opinion, okay? But the differences of, of opinion is not going to hold water because the solid truth will show, through the Scriptures, will show where the heresies are wrong. Just like he says, it's necessary there be heresies, so that which is approved may be made manifest among you. Verse 20. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You got that? It's not to eat the Lord's Supper. Got nothing to do. The Lord's Supper is a love feast. Turn to Jude. Turn to the book of Jude. Let me show you. I'll show you this love feast and how it got a bunch of reprobates mixed in with it. Start reading about verse 6 in uh, in Jude. 
and you'll get down there and it where it talks about um they feast with you. It'll be talking about hybrids. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity. There you go. There's the love feast. They are spots. In your Lord's Supper, your love feast, your chair, your 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 uh, your feast of charity. That's what he's talking about. Anybody that knows anything about early church history knows that I'm telling you the truth. It's a love feast. It was always a love feast, even in the Word of God. You remember how they ate, and then the Lord said, "What He said, we're gonna go through it when we later on in Luke." In a few chapters further on in the book of Luke, when the Lord talks about himself, that's the feast he's talking about. That's a love feast, okay? Some people, call, they want to get a little Greeky, and they go, oh, the agape feast. Well, it's a love feast. That's the Lord's Supper. Communion is about the body and blood of Christ. And these Corinthians you're fixing to read about made a wreck of the whole shooting match. Back to 1 Corinthians 11, brother. Verse 21. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. Okay, that's what this is. What the, he's, he's giving you the example of what they were doing wrong. How they were the manner, the manner, the manner in which they were doing this. Not only is it the wrong place and wrong time, the manner which they're going about doing it. You can see how they're screwing up by just what Paul tells you in the words. Go ahead, brother. What have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? Okay. These people, like I said, these are, you have these rich merchant Christians that would separate themselves, have these big elaborate, this big elaborate food, and then you have these other folks 
that didn't have a didn't have squat. I mean, you talking about? That's why I call that bunch out there Christian identities, okay? Because they don't have a clue when it comes to new covenant doctrine. Period. This Corinthian church is the most screwed up church that Paul dealt with. They had it all upside down. They get a few things right and then everything else will be tumbled on its head. And Paul was rebuking, rebuking, rebuking. Even had one guy in there that, 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 that married his daddy's mama. And you know what that would make him, you carnal-minded folks. Paul had to get him. They were old lovey-dovey in this guy, in the congregation. Paul had to make him get rid of him, church him, get him out. Continue, brother. I'll show you in a few minutes. Go ahead, brother. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus came. Okay, now, now he received it of the Lord. Now, he's lying or he's not, okay? <laughs> he's either telling you the truth or he's lying. Either the scriptures are true or it's a lie. No ambiguity to it. He received it of the Lord when the Lord taught him face to face, or either he's making it up. And you got a bunch out there that actually thinks he's making it up. Continue, brother. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Okay, he took bread. Verse 24. And when... He had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Very important word, remembrance. Do in remembrance of me. This is my body which was broken for Jason. This is my body, which was broken for Brian. This is my body, which was broken for Brenda. This is my body, which was broken for guest four. This was my body that was broken for Brother Don. How much time have you spent thinking about the body that was broken for you? We'll spend a little time in a few minutes, but just think about that. Start reading at the colon. This do in remembrance of me. Okay, not to sacrifice him all over again. That's blasphemy. Hebrews tells you Christ made one sacrifice for sin forever. And it tells you that the ones that are keeping on making those sacrifices are putting him to an open shame that they've fallen from grace in the book of Hebrews. You remember when we studied Ezekiel, the last eight chapters, and those people were making sin 
offerings and sacrificing animals again, and I brought to your attention that I had a that this was was a speculation of mine, and it seems to have a little weight to it that all of that sacrificing they're doing back then that's Israelites. That's not that's Israelites. That's not the bride. Those last eight chapters of Ezekiel, the reason. The Father is making them go and go through all those motions again is in remembrance of what the Lord done for them that they actually rejected. That's my opinion. Okay, I said that's my opinion. That would seem to reconcile what they're doing with what take what the the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there could be no more sacrifice for sin. That seems like it would reconcile if it's done in a spiritual, in a remembrance-type way, where we, here during this period of time, when we do this, when we take communion, it's purely looking back to the cross, giving thanks, not just with the mouth and with the head, but with the heart. That's the difference with what they do in Ezekiel 40 through 48 and what we do today if we follow the ordinance like we're supposed to. Okay? That's my opinion. It seems to have a little credence. I'm not sure. Some of you folks are smarter than me. Maybe the Lord will show you more about it. Verse 25, brother. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Okay, stop. This cup is the New Covenant, the New Testament in his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Oh, that blood. And we'll remember that in a little while. Go ahead, keep reading, brother. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. There's that remembrance again. And it doesn't say you have to do it every Sunday. You have to do it every day. It doesn't say there's a set period of time. Here on this program, we partake of communion twice a year. Okay? There's no set time. There's There's nothing, no slam on you if you do do it every day. There is no regulation as to the how many times you do it in a year. But there is a regulation in the manner it's done. We're fixing to find out all about that, and here's where all the confusion comes in about this. Next verse, brother. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's 
death till he come. We're looking forward to his coming, see. That's, uh, that's our blessed hope. That's when eternity changes for us. I mean, it already has, and we don't even know it. I mean, we're seated with him in, in heavenly places right now. We don't know it, but we are. There's so much spiritually that's taken place that we have no concept of, that the book's not all that clear on, just gives you little tantalizing hints. <laughs> Verse 27, brother. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Okay, the key word is worthily. Remember I told you to start with, it does not say worthy. There's none of us worthy. Remember what Paul said a while ago in First Timothy in Second Timothy? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Got nothing to do with being worthy. None of us are worthy. Remember that old um, publican that beat on his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner? Nothing he's worthy about. Paul told you a while ago in the first chapter in Timothy that he was injured and destroyed the church and a murderer, all that stuff. He was not worthy. This got this worthy is not wor- worthy and worthily are two different words. Do you know the difference? See, the L Y does what? <laughs> That's how important words are. It's the manner of partaking. What was wrong with the manner of partaking above here? They were drunk. They were separating themselves. They were lauding one position over another. They were mixing the love feast with communion. See? It was done, the act was done unworthily. Nobody is worthy. The ones that were partaking unworthily, in other words, the ones that were falling in with this, these merchants and these regular folks and these just all this mix-up of Christians, they got punished for mixing it and not getting it right. The manner of partaking is what he's talking about. It's supposed to be done worthily. And if you partake of it unworthily, you're guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Does that mean you go to hell? Of course not. And he's fixing to tell you that. Okay? And I'll explain it to you when we get to it. But that's the key word, unworthily. Got to get, that's how important words are. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh 
unworthily. Unworthily, again, not worthy, unworthily, for that eat and drink in the wrong way, that everything's all screwed up and messed up. Go ahead, brother. Eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That damnation is crema. It's temporary condemnation. Yeah, I wouldn't even have to go to the Greek if I dropped on down a few verses and let him explain it. But I'm just telling you, that damnation, don't get scared. I mean, get scared, but don't get scared. It ain't got nothing to do with with eternal damnation. It's temporary. There's a difference in those in crema and contacrema. That's the two Greek words. Okay? This is temporary condemnation. And we're fixing to find out the temporary condemnation that happened for the ones that ate and drank of the body and blood of Christ unworthily. Read verse 29 again, brother. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now let's see what happened to the ones that did. For this cause, many are weak and okay. sickly. Okay, many are weak and sickly, bad health. Go ahead. Among you, and many sleep. And some the Lord just took on out of the way. It doesn't mean they fell asleep in the corner of the room. It means that they died an early death. You don't think this is serious business? Verse 31, brother. For if we would judge ourselves... Brother Don always telling you to, to borrow soap in 1 John chapter 1 for fellowship. If we say we have no sin, we're a liar, and the word is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Got can't got jack squat to do with salvation, got to do with fellowship. But see, if you don't have no fellowship with the Lord, you don't know what I'm talking about. Those of you that don't talk to the Lord on a regular basis and apply these things don't have a clue. If Christian identities don't have a clue about fellowship with the Lord. They think the blood just got shed for Israel and everybody's in. Happy, go, lucky, live like hell. Do what you want to do and everything's fine. Kill the Jew and everything's wonderful for us. That's all they teach. Whoa, whoa, whoa is all I can say. Verse 31 again, brother. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But, when but, what, what, but see, if you confess your sins, he'll cleanse you from all those temporary sins that get, mess your fellowship up with, up with him and mess your fellowship up with the brothers and sisters and make your witness bad where people wouldn't think you of a, you was a Christian if you had Christian written all over your back and a Christian machine on your head. You act so wicked. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
Behold, all old things are passed away. All things are become new. That's the stuff you want to get judge yourself of. Those stumblings, those fallings. That filthy word that slips out every now and then. Put it under the blood. Get it back right with the Lord. But when he has to do it, watch what happens. Verse 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Bingo. See, the self-loving, vanity-absorbed, I, I, me, 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 will take the path of least resistance and just say, well, I'm going to, in their heart and in their mind, I'm not saying they'll say this out loud, but they just as well do it by their actions, by the tree, by the fruit, you know, you know the tree by the fruity bears. They'll say, they'll just take the chastening of the Lord. Is that right? I've heard some actually say it, but they just, they just it's too hard. I'm just going to do what I want to do, and I'll take the chastening of the Lord. Oh, my goodness, folks. Well, what about the ones that don't get chastened? Hmm? What about the ones that don't get their slats cut out from under them that do these things? What about them? What happens to them? Well, the Bible says if you don't get the chastening or the scourging, then you're a bastard and not a son. Simple, plain as that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. Prove your own selves, whether ye be in the faith. Know ye not, Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. It all falls back to Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 13. That you'll not be condemned with the world. But my goodness, my goodness. There can be a lot of stuff happen to you. And you go through misery here while you're sucking wind on this earth. Through the chastening and scourging rod of God that would make you wish you were dead. And still just be as, just be a absolute pure son of God elect and still catch it in the neck to where you wish you were dead. Been there, done that. Okay? This is a serious... Folks, when you're dealing with stuff like this, this is eternity stuff. To hell with the football game. To hell with the television. To hell with what the stock market's doing. We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about your rewarded inheritance for eternity here. See, problem is, you don't believe it. If you believed it, you'd try to do something about it. And only the Lord knows your heart, whether you are or you're not. All I can do is preach it and tell you the truth. 
going to show you about these folks. Paul's going to make it plain about the, all the inheritance gone. Gone. We're fixing to hit it in just a few minutes. Continue, brother, verse 33. And then when you finish this chapter right here, I want you to go to Isaiah 53. And folks, get your elements. We're fixing to, we're fixing to take communion as soon as brother Jason finishes this chapter. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. That's right. You do your love feast somewhere else. These people were told you don't do this junk no more because of all. He just told you what happened if you mixed it together with the communion. Go ahead, brother. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53, brother. We'll start reading at verse 1 in just a second. Isaiah 53. Start reading at verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom in the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. You know, that's, uh, that's uh, the, the, the one that put the stars in the sky and gave us the breath of life that took human form. And that's what our people thought about it. You extrapolate that now into modern society, there's no difference. Some people will whisper Jesus Christ under their breath where they're not heard. And put all the excuses. They'll even change his name to some other name to where, oh, they'll run around Yahshuaan and Yahweh and Yahudian and Iwahaan and anything. Anything but that one name that's given above every name. Still ashamed of it. The fear of man bringeth the snare. Need to think about those things when you're in a crowd. You ever just for one second start just one up somebody start speaking in a firm voice about the Lord Jesus Christ where they'd all hear you? You reckon he'll speak in a firm voice about your name before the Father if you didn't do it for him? Hey, we didn't esteem him then. 
and the majority of us don't esteem him now. First forward, brother. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Okay, folks, if you would take the bread, which is a symbol of our Lord's body that was bruised for you and for I. For just a few seconds, think about that broken body and think about who it was broken for. Insert your name into the one that rejected and despised. Put yourself in that place. Think about it. And discern that body that took away your sorrows, griefs, that took it all on himself, and he never did anything wrong. Like an innocent lamb took all that pain and suffering for Jason, Kevin, Don, everybody, Brian, everybody in the chat room and the downloaders, Brother Tony, Brother Bougay, Sister Sue, Think about that. Father, we take this bread now, remembering your body that was mangled beyond compare to any other man. It was bruised, torn to pieces. It should have been us. But we thank you so much for taking our place. And we take this assemble of your body in remembrance of what you've done, looking forward to when you come again, in Jesus' name. You may partake of the bread. Now we take the cup, which the Lord said was a type of his blood, that was shed for the sins of the world that he could purchase the pearl of great price and I'm speaking to those pearls right now I have no doubt in my mind that I'm speaking to the very remnant elect of God those pearls of great price sure the blood was shed for the whole world And there's benefits to that, to whosoever will. But it was especially shed for you, for the elect. And as old brother John says, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's every sin we ever thought, we have ever done or ever will do, past, present, and future. That's eternal blood. Therefore, it cleanses us eternally. 
ye elect of God, chosen before the foundation of the world. We take this cup in remembrance of that blood. You, you bled out every drop, Lord, on the cross, every drop you shed for us. And we thank you for that precious blood. As the old hymn goes, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We take this now, remembering what you did, remembering the blood, and also looking forward to when you come back, Lord Jesus, as King of kings and Lord of lords, not only to avenge your blood, but the blood of all your faithful remnant that's been shed down through the ages. And we give you all the thanks, all the glory, all the praise for that precious blood. And we ask these things and remember these things in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. You can partake of the cup. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I know we ain't got to Luke yet. We may not even get to Luke. We just might just do this little study on inheritance real quick and uh, pick up Luke 19 tomorrow night. We'll just do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to just um, get a, uh, some of the stuff I was making mention of a while ago. I'll, I'll show you. We'll see what Paul had to say about some of these folks. This um these Christian identities. So, brother, if you would start reading in verse one of First Corinthians six. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to the law before the unjust, and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? You see, there we get a judgment. Our judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. We set in judgment on the rest of the world at a later time. That right there just shoots down all those deceived brethren that think that there's no such thing or no difference in the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment and the judgment of the nations. And there's seven, folks, there's seven judgments, okay? The first one is the one we're judged at. That's called the judgment seat of Christ. First Corinthians 3, Paul's telling you here, we're going to judge the world. After we've done, even after our bad works, our bad works is blown up in smoke and we, we've got everything taken care of, then we judge the world. Continue reading, brother. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? And, and there'll be a judgment of the angels. We're going to get to take care of that too. Praise God. Look at the position you're in. Too much is given, much is required. Act like it. Live like it. Talk like it. Breathe like it. Think like it. Go ahead, brother. How much more are things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, 
set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Okay, he's talking about an assembly fellowship, and you got matters that come up in the local assembly. You're, you should set up somebody to do the judging that are, of, of, are, that are of low esteem. In other words, no big merchants like they were doing earlier, like, like at the love feast, okay, getting drunk. And pulling off to one side and bat and talking behind the others back because they were poor, had on bad clothes. Folks, ain't no different today. It's done today too. You got your rich folks in church, the poor folks. It's done today too. Ain't nothing new under the sun, folks. Okay. Continue, brother. I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. <laughs> Go ahead. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to the law with brother, and that and that before the unbelievers. I know Christians that sue other Christians, and get, and oh, I can sue them because I'm really just suing their insurance company. No, you're really just suing to get the money. That's all you do, and the love of money is the root of all evil. Continue, brother. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to the law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? In other words, why don't you just take it on the chin? Why don't you suffer yourself to be defrauded? In other words... When they poke a hole in you, when they misdiagnose you at the doctor, oh, man, I'm really going to get you now. They misdiagnose you all the, uh, at the hospital, and they give you a diagnosis that's absolutely wrong, and you can prove it. Just sue them to death, right? Get you those million dollars, right? That's the worldly thing to do. You're not hurting nobody. You're getting the insurance company. My goodness, they make all this money. Why shouldn't you do it, see? See how the justification goes, folks. You see how real, true, biblical thinking and spiritual thinking goes a heck of a lot deeper? And you understand why folks don't like to think deeper? That conscience makes cowards of us all, folks. Continue, brother. Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Now watch it close. Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch what comes next, folks. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Read that list again, brother. You folks think about what he's saying now because he's fixing to throw a monkey wrench on you. Go ahead. Read it all. Read that list again, brother. Neither fornicators, 
nor idolaters. Do you know what idolatry is? Well, the historical context would be those that were bowing down to the goddess Athena, and they worshipped an image that fell down from Jupiter, and they worshipped Apollo, and the... Nah, really? Of course it was then. What's idols today? What's the definition of an idol? Anything that you put, anything you put before your God, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with more affection than you do him. You Greekers, you don't believe me? Check it out. Want an up-to-date version? American Idol. All the stars in Hollywood. Spend more time with those than you do with the Lord and his book. Folks, I'm asking questions. I'm not condemning. I'm just asking questions. You thought she was going to slide by on idolatry, huh? Spend more time shining your car and taking it to the... You spend more money on your clothes. You spend more money on what you go out and eat on a movie than you do taking care of the Lord and the ones that's trying to teach you the book. We go on down the list. There is no excuse. You won't have one. I won't have one. That's why Paul says, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 2 Corinthians 5, 5. 5.10, excuse me. The terror you know what terror is, but I wonder if you know what the terror of the Lord is. Say, so, well, these are just talking about people. They're not Israelites, and no, they're not in. They're not in the body of Christ. They're not the elect. Is that right? Continue on with the list, brother. Nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor adulterers. Christ said, "It is written." If you look upon a woman to lust after her, no, he said, if it is written, thou shalt not commit adultery. Christ said, but I tell you that he that looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. How are you going to get around that one? Hmm. Continue, brother. Nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves. You ever nor somebody, thieves? That's somebody that steals something, right? You ever slacked on a job? You paid to work eight hours? You ever did, you did less than your best? Stole somebody else's time? Ever borrowed a book from somebody and never gave it back to them?
and you want to talk about the law. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You know why they want to talk about the law all the time? Because they can't handle the, the law of Christ. It's a lot tougher because it deals with the heart. And the punishment is rough. Continue. Nor covetous. Oh, covetousness. Needing something, wanting something you don't need. Is it hitting home yet? Oh, you think I just I'm just a, a country bumpkin preacher talking, don't you? You you think this is just all rambling, don't you? You willing to take that chance? Continue. Nor drunkards, nor revelers. Party time. Go ahead. Nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch the very next verse. And such were some of you. What happened to them? I thought they were just Israelites, and I didn't think there was no such thing as personal salvation. Ah, uh, yeah. Sounds like there's anything, I didn't think anything to that, see? I thought that was just Judeo-Christian doctrine. Such were some of you. He's talking to Israelite Corinthians, folks. What happened to them? Continue, brother. What happened to these guys? But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. You got that? Even to them that believe on his name, justified. Just if you never sin, if you're his. Shall have no inherit. Does it say, shall not inherit the kingdom of God, brother? Does it say that they'll not inherit the kingdom of God? Does it say It that? says that they're justified. Yeah. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. But doesn't it say that that bunch will not inherit the kingdom of God? It it doesn't say that. If Keep they on re- will- yes, it does say that, brother. You need to go back and read it. I know it says that above there, but right. I thought we were on verse 11. No, that's right, but that's what it said about this bunch. Verse 10, nor thieves, nor coaches, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's what I said. It says, and such were some of you. But ye are washed. That's right. They're You're clean. Sanctified. Absolutely. Justified. They get in. They get in. Absolutely. Right. That's the point I'm trying to make. But let's find out about the ones different. Turn to Ephesians 5. Watch it. Close. Start reading at verse 1 in Ephesians 5, brother. Watch, watch, watch it close. This says, shall not inherit. S-H-A-L-L. I-N-H, 
E R I T, the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Start reading. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints. Okay, they're in the kingdom of God. This is saints he's talking about. They're saints, just like the ones that were washed a while ago. But let's see what happens to the one saints that do do it. That was the point all along I was trying to make. Watch what he says. Start reading at verse 3 and come on down. But fornication... In all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be one once named among you as becoming becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Why do you think he says in everything give thanks? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you spent your time giving thanks instead of bitching and moaning, you wouldn't fall into this category. Verse 5. But this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater... Watch it. Watch it from the comma to the end of the verse. ...hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ... And of God. Bingo. You're in the kingdom, but no inheritance. This is deadly serious as a two-headed diamondback rattlesnake biting you on the neck, folks, when it comes to inheritance and rewards. This Christian life is deadly serious. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade man. Turn to First, Second Corinthians, chapter five, and read verse ten, brother. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. The what? The things done in his body. Mm-hmm. Continue on. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Thank you, brother. Real quick, turn to First Corinthians 3. Paul stayed on these Corinthians. Warned him over and over and over again. That was his final warning there. I'm going to give you his first warning here. 1 Corinthians 3, start reading in verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Watch this next verse. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Thank you, brother. Thank you. That stuff is important, folks. That's in, your your wall, this, the, your your cage, or whatever you want to call it, that's built around you. That has the devils that's bugging you, and the angels trying to protect you, and your fellowship with the Lord, and your daily steps that are ordered by the Lord, and everything that's concerning you that's supposed to play out to help your brethren and your sisters. See, that, that, that's why I decided to land on this tonight one more time with emphasis. That's why the two commandments are love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, and soul, and thy neighbor or brother or sister as thyself. Because if you've got yourself taken care of in your fellowship and the Lord's on the pedestal and no idols in front of him and you all that, then it takes care of itself. Then the rewards and the inheritance, some so many city, the suffering loss is not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun. Absolutely live for eternity. Absolutely a son of God. Absolutely can't be changed one way or the other. The Lord's done got it set in the Lamb's book of life. The only book that can get messed with is the book of life. There's a difference. Number one, they're spelt different. And you're given all this stuff and you can't say no to you put you fill in the blank. When every idiom the apostle Paul gives you is an idiom that deals with discipline. A soldier, a runner, a boxer. See how all that I've told you so many times about the way I tell how this gestalt method it brings it all into perspective. And you mean to tell me that you can't say no to, like I said, fill in the blank? You mean to tell me that you can't put that one foot in front of the other and get back up and dust yourself off? You mean to tell me that you can't sharpen that sword? You mean to tell me it is such a burden to read and study the Word of God 
when all this other stuff lies before you in eternity? See, all those false doctrines out there, especially among our persuasion, that just makes it sound so nice and sweet and takes away all the responsibility off of the individual's head when the responsibility is all on our head as individuals. For this period of time, for right now, folks, is what I'm talking about. Because when he seals that zipper... When it when that last one, when the replacement, that last elect is signed and sealed, or either takes his last breath, then the Lord's gonna kick things into a different gear. I'm telling you. I don't know why I don't know what else to say. I mean I can only say so much. It takes the Spirit of God. It takes the Spirit of God to work in your hearts and make this stuff carry the importance that the Word of God should carry in your life and in your mind and in your heart. Brother Jason, read one more verse of Scripture and we will go ahead and close tonight. We'll pick up Luke chapter 19 tomorrow night. And um, Brother Kevin, you can just write this, you can just put the title of this program is a lesson in the Word of God, and just leave it at that. Read First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, brother. Don, can you say that again? I said, yeah. The, the, we'll, we'll pick up with Luke chapter 19 tomorrow night. You can just put this lesson, just put this down, this program down as communion service and a and an important lesson in God's book. Just put it down like that. An important lesson in God's book. Got it. And um, while I got you, you wanted to say something about the Satan's with an S. Oh my goodness, brother! We'll do that tomorrow night. We, how long have we been on? Uh, almost two hours. Yeah, we definitely need to shut her down. People got to go to work tomorrow. Brother Jason, read Second Corinthians thirteen, verse five. Folks, take this to bed with you. Everything you've been taught, the scripture that's been quoted over and over and over again, throw to throw away what the reprobates say. Believe what God's word says. Okay, follow the one that's doctrines right. That's the apostle Paul. Follow him because he taught you what the Lord showed him how to put the doctrine together. If it hadn't have been for him, we wouldn't know how to put the new covenant doctrine together. That's why he tells you to follow him. And if you don't understand his doctrines, you'll never understand the rest of the book. It just won't happen. Can't happen. That's the way the Lord's got it set up. It's not my opinion. Second Corinthians thirteen five, brother, quote it. I mean read it. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. All right, that's Second Corinthians 13, verse 5, folks. Again, not my opinion. 
But just just to add just 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 a little icing, just just a little icing to put a grin on your face before you before you have to go to bed to go to work tonight and think about this stuff. Turn to Romans chapter eight, brother. Just a little icing, and start and and start reading it verse twenty five and read to the end of the chapter, and then we'll close when you finish with it. We will close. You don't have to give out no contact information or anything when you finish reading that. Then we'll close for tonight, okay? All right, brother. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness within our, with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorified, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not unwillingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into glorious liberty of the children of God for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet? Why doth what he does he yet hope, hope for? for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, 
For we also for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, brother. Amen, amen, amen. If that's not good enough stuff to kick into a different gear, I don't know what is. I love you guys. Lord willing, see you tomorrow night. Good job, Brother Jason, Brother Kevin. Love each and every one of you. Keep me in your prayers as I pray for you guys. And we'll see you tomorrow night, Lord willing.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.